approved unto God. There's a story that is told of a young man who studied the violin under a renowned, world-renowned master. And when his big first recital came, the crowd cheered at each number. But the young performer was dissatisfied, even after the final number. Despite the applause, the musician sound seemed unhappy. As he took his bows, he was watching an elderly man sitting in the balcony. Finally, the elderly man smiled and nodded his approval. Immediately, the young man was filled with joy. He was not looking for the approval of the crowd, but he was waiting for the approval of the master. Christians should be living for God's approval. As Jim Elliott, who was later martyred in the jungles of Ecuador, said while attending Wheaton College, I want to earn an AUG degree, approved unto God. We will be approved unto God as we do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We are to seek God daily, grow in holiness continually, seek the Bible and study the Bible faithfully, walk with Christ obediently. As Christians, our approval comes from an audience of one, the one who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Although this letter is sent to Timothy, we see in verse 14. Let's read that. Keep reminding them of those these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Although this letter was sent to Timothy, the instructions in this letter are not meant for Timothy alone. It was Timothy's duty to continually remind others about the things which were previously written. The word remind is written in the present imperative, like a command, which means that it was to be a regular practice to emphasize biblical truths. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Peter writes, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. In the case of the Christians in Ephesus, Timothy was solemnly charged in the presence of God, to warn others to avoid quarreling about words. The word in Greek is translated solemnly charged, means to make a serious declaration on the basis of presumed knowledge. The pagans use this word to call the gods and men to witness. The Greek word is translated in 2 Timothy 4.1, I adjure you. Paul is saying this to Timothy. I am solemnly charging you, Timothy, in the presence of God to warn others to avoid quarreling about words. We see references in quarreling in 1st and 2nd Timothy. Remember, Paul was, or Timothy was left in Ephesus. You see these references in Timothy, first Timothy chapter one, verses three and four, chapter four, verse seven, chapter six, verse four, second Timothy chapter two, fourteen and two, twenty three. There was actually, there are actually four references, it says, in first and two and second Timothy. Paul had left Timothy to minister in Ephesus, and the Ephesians seemed to be somewhat prone to argue. The Greek word means to contend, to fight, to quarrel, disrupt. 
It literally pictures a war of words, a a word battle. It is clear in the following verses that Paul was not speaking about immature wrangling of trivial issues, disruptive as that can be. Paul was warning about those deceivers like Philetus and Hymenaeus who might use human wisdom and reason to undermine God's word. The outcome of wrangling and quarreling can be extremely dangerous. All this contention can have various serious effects on others outside the fight. Those who are looking on, bewildered and maybe disillusioned. The word actually translated subverting is the one which in English we get the word catastrophe. Above all, let us be aware of the company of men who really cares little about right and wrong of his words so long as he wins the argument. How should we approach the Bible? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, Study, said, let me go through that, not that one. Hebrews 4. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It says, It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Remember the Bereans. They were of more noble character, it said, for they searched out these things to see if they were true. Paul gives us a guide on how to confront false teaching by using the Bible as our standard and guide. And let's analyze this verse. 2 Timothy 2.15 This verse is the Iwana programs uses this as their theme verse. The verse begins with a command to be diligent or to do one's best. It starts out, do your best to present yourself as what? One approved. One approved. The idea of doing your best It is the idea of zealous concentration and diligent effort. It speaks of intensity of purpose followed by intensity of effort towards the realization of that purpose. The Greek word is marked by careful, continuous, and persistent application. It has the idea of maximum effort. I like the way A.B. Simpson describes this. He says, God has hidden every precious thing in such a way that it is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest, but a disappointment to the slothful soul. All nature is arrayed against the lounger and the idler, he says. Listen to this. The nut is hidden in its thorny case. The pearl is buried beneath the ocean waves. The gold is imprisoned in the rocky bosom of the mountains. The gem is found only after you crush the rock which encloses it. The very soil gives its harvest as a reward to the laboring farmer. So truth and God must be earnestly sought. The most beneficial study of God's word requires diligence and perseverance and the results are worth the effort. Christians are to do their best, it says, to present themselves to God as one approved. It has the idea of presenting oneself for inspection, as it were, in order to be approved by God. The Greek word is used in Romans 14.10 when Paul writes, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We all want to hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
We want to be approved unto God. That should be our goal. To do what God has called us to do with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is interesting. It's one of my favorite Greek words. It's Jim Hennessy's favorite, I think, because he always talks to me about it. But the Greek word is dokimos. It is such a fascinating word. The word to be approved. It is translated in English to be approved. It means to test. It means to prove by trial. It has the idea when you put metal through a fiery testing, it comes out on the other side enduring it. It's proven. It's authentic. It's genuine. Donald Barnhouse, who has the following interesting explanation of the word dokimos, writing, In the ancient world, there was no banking system, as we know today. No paper money. All money was made from metal, heated until liquid, poured into molds, and allowed to cool, he writes. When the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off the uneven edges. The coins were comparatively soft, and, of course, many people shaved them closely. In one century, more than 80 laws were passed in Athens to stop the practice of shaving down the coins then in, coins then in circulation. But some money changers, some money changers were men of integrity would, who would accept no counterfeit money. They were men of honor who put only genuine, full-weighted money into circulation. These men were called dokimos. They were approved. The word describes as, describes as one who has stood the test. They were men of integrity. To handle accurately, to handle accurately used, was used in Greek as a rites. Standing upright. This word where it says to, um, handle the word of truth accurately. Continuing in a straight direction or figuratively, leave meaning right, true, or ethnic, uh, ethically correct behavior. It would refer to a craftsman cutting a straight line. So when it says, approved unto God a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. It's like a farmer plowing a straight row, a mason setting a straight line of bricks, a workman, bu- a metaphor- or a workman building a straight road. Metaphorically, it was used here, it speaks carefully of performing a task. The present tense calls for us to continually divide the word of truth. We are to take no shortcuts, no vacations, as it were, when it comes to handling God's word in a trustworthy manner. Every time we treat, we teach or preach God's word of truth, we may, we must seek by the Holy Spirit's illumination and by the enabling grace of Christ to cut the word of truth straight, to do what it says. It, in marked contrast, we have these false teachers who do what? They twist the scriptures to their own benefit and to the listener's internal detriment. They quarrel and they argue their point of view to win an argument for themselves. John MacArthur explains, because Christ, because Paul was a tent maker, he may have been using the expression that was relevant with his trade. Paul made tents. He used certain patterns. And in those days, tents were made from skins of animals. 
and the whole thing would, wouldn't fit together properly if it wasn't cut straight. It's the same thing with scriptures. If one doesn't interpret correctly the different parts, the whole message won't come through clearly. In Bible study interpretation, the Christian should cut it straight. He should be precise and accurate. The word of truth was a beautiful name for the Bible, especially in the world which is which is becoming more and more the opposite, where men's words are no longer binding. How we need to remember that Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies and has no truth in him, which emphasizes our great need to be totally dependent on the word of truth to encounter evil. Now let's take a look at verses 16 through 19. It says, Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they have destroyed the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with the inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Paul tells Timothy to avoid godless chatter, literally to shun profane, empty utterances, which only promote ungodliness like gangrene. This godless chatter is contrary to the word of truth spoken above. And I wonder if we know that Luke was here. I wonder if Dr. Luke, who was with Paul in Rome at this time, suggested this striking medical image that is written here. Participation with people who engage in this kind of profane, godless talk literally give their words a feeding place like gangrene. Gangrene is a type of tissue, death caused by a lack of blood supply. There needed to be a radical medical procedure that had to be done to root it out. Amputation. Cut out heresy and cling to the truth. Reject untruth and seek Jesus Christ who is the way and the truth and the life. There are two people mentioned in this section. Philetus, about whom nothing is known, and Hymenaeus, whom Paul had already delivered over to Satan, it says, for chastisement. It's, he's mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.20. These two leaders had wandered away from the truth. They had literally missed the mark regarding the crucial doctrine of the resurrection. Paul also says that these false teachers were destroying the faith of some. Paul then encourages Timothy that although these two defectors were followers and their followers are causing problems, Timothy must remain strong in the Lord and not let his confidence in Christ be shaken. He is encouraging Timothy that God's solid foundation remains firm with these two inscriptions as seals to guarantee its authenticity. The church is owned and securely protected by God. God knows who are His. He is sovereign and in absolute control. God is also known as the, by the name Adonai in the Bible, which means Master or Lord. The Master watches over those who are His. He cares 
for them. He cares for us. He protects us. He meets their needs and He will never abandon us for those that belong in Him. It is, a, it is the responsibility too of every Christian to turn away from evil, it says. It is required of all servants to remain faithful. It is our duty to follow the way of Christ, to have the mind of Christ, and to live a life that pleases our Lord. Therefore, Paul is saying to Timothy and to us that we don't need to fear. God knows what He's doing and He will and His will will be accomplished. But it's our responsibility too to make every effort to keep ourselves from the contamination of gangrene from these false teachers and to remain firmly in Christ. In verses 20 and 21... He talks about a clean instrument. He says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for noble purpose and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument of noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul now emphasizes his point about non-contamination by using a simple metaphor of household containers. Isn't it true that every house has a variety of containers? Some of the items are made of gold, and some are silver, and others of wood, and some of clay. Some are used for noble purposes, and some for ignoble purposes. The dictionary describes something as ignoble by saying that it is bad as something to be ashamed of. Paul's point to Timothy is clear. Timothy was to have nothing to do with these false teachers. Timothy would then, in this way, be used for noble purposes, which would be a holy and useful instrument to God and prepared to do any good work for His glory. I like the way D.L. Moody comments on this. God does not seek for golden vessels. And he does not ask for silver ones. But he must have clean ones. He must have clean ones. God does not seek for golden vessels. Nor does he ask for silver ones. But he does ask for clean ones. In verses 22 through 26, it talks about faithfulness and conduct. Here's what he says. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, must he must gently instruct, in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and... Escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The way in which we conduct our lives should be a testimony of the truth that abides in our heart. Let me say that again. The way we conduct our lives should be a testimony of the truth that abides in our heart. There are many temptations in this world which may distract, ensnare, And can consume our lives. Paul encourages Timothy to have a right focus. A proper mindset. 
as a leader of the church to fleeing evil, youthful desires and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. The word flee in Greek means to move quickly from a point or area in order to avoid presumed danger or difficulty. To run away. To seek safety by flight. To run or move hastily from danger. Don't entertain them. Rationalize them. Negotiate with them. Don't compromise yourself with evil. We must not only flee ungodly companions or things, but also ungodly character. And what? Pursue the fruits of the Spirit. We are to keep in step with the Spirit, as it says in Galatians. And pursue what pleases God. In the context of what is being discussed regarding false teachers and quarreling, I could see the desires of delight in arguing or youthful impatience or being easily persuaded in these arguments. The word pursue in Greek means to follow or press hard after. Pursue with earnestness and diligence in order to obtain or go after with the desire of obtaining. It's a picture, if you think about it, of one who's in a race and running swiftly to reach a goal. The present imperative, it's a command form here. The word is a command calling for this action to be our way of life, to be continual, to be habitual practice. It's not enough to continually to run away from wrong, but we must continually run after what is good. Run away. Don't just turn your back on what's wrong. You run towards what is good. The preacher's commentary I read about sums up what we are to pursue as vessels of honor. Righteousness, it says, is rightness. It is integrity to pursue truthfulness, fairness, and justice. Faith. Faith is constancy of trust in God rather than our own carefully devised securities. Love is acting in the best interest of the other person. Peace is that harmony and unity with those who are brought together in a common commitment to the Lord. These are the things we are to pursue with a passion. That's what he writes about in this book called Preacher's Commentary on this part. I like that. William Barclay sums up the wish, this issue well. Here then is the test. So ask yourself this question. Here is the test. If at the end of our talk, we are closer to one another and to God, then all is well. But if we have erected barriers between one another and have left God more distant, then all is not well. The aim of all Christian discussion and all Christian action is to bring man nearer to his fellows and to God. William Barclay said that. Freedom in Christ is not the right to do as one pleases, but the power to please God by doing what is right. This is the power his bondservant possesses. Stated another way, we become really free only by subjecting our own will to the will of another, one who is always who is always and is the perfect master. And the paradox is this, is we now as believers achieve self-control by letting ourselves be controlled by the Savior. Yes. 
It's the one who's living in us. We, Jesus says, uh, we think about, are you free indeed? When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul says to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine closely. He says, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch your life and your doctrine closely, it says. Our private life and our public life are both important to God. It is essential that we keep a close eye on both. Paul stresses that we must be diligent to persevere in both by holding fast to the word of truth and by applying the word of truth faithfully faithfully to our daily lives. Paul was charged by Timothy, Timothy was charged by Paul to be faithful to the ministry and to display faithful conduct in his life by being a useful instrument, a clean instrument in the master's hands. As I think about Paul and his imminent death that was going to happen in Rome, Timothy and his, and also Timothy and his future challenges in ministry. And I was thinking about the church and the intensifying persecution. I ask myself this question. How do you motivate people to live up to the high calling of God and encourage them to access the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches that are available in Christ? How do you motivate people to really see what's there? How do you motivate them to live up to the high calling of God and encourage them to access the unsearchable riches that are available in Jesus Christ? Do you seek peace and rest? Do you long for joy and contentment? Do you yearn for wisdom and hope? I've got the answer. The answers are all found in Jesus. So if you seek Him with all of your heart and do your best to present yourself as one approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth, you will find joy. You will have contentment. There will be wisdom. There is hope. There is peace. There is encouragement. That's the answer. That's the great solution. It's the great solution that Oswald Chambers said when he commented, Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come unto me and learn from me. That's what he says. I'll close with this prayer by F.B. Meyer. He prayed like this. O God, our behavior has not manifested all the fruits of the Spirit or been full of the graciousness and gentleness of Christ. Forgive us and enable us so to live that Christ's beauty may be on our faces 
The tone of His voice is in our speech. The gentleness of His tread is in our steps. And the unselfishness of His deeds are in our hands. May we all seek to be approved unto God. May we seek to earn an AUG degree for God's glory. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, that is our will. Our will is to seek you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And all means all. All these things will be added unto you. Help us to seek you first. Those are the things that are important in life. Lord, if we want peace, we know where to find peace. If we want joy, we know where to find joy. If we want help, we know where to find help. It's in Jesus. It is in Jesus. And I thank you. Thank you that your word is truth. And that we, we, should, we should seek you daily in your word. Seek you daily in, in our daily walk. In times of importunate prayer. In times of just, just laying aside the things of this world. And resting at your feet knowing that you're fully in control. And we will have peace. We don't have to be concerned of all the things that happen in this world because we know that you are El Elyon, that you are, you are sovereign and you are in complete control and nothing goes before the throne of grace that you are not aware of. And we trust in you and in that we can rest. In Jesus' name, amen.